continue the series and i will be joined by ryan stimson formerly of the athletic buffalo for your sabers fans but now writes for coach's site and the hockey graphs a little bit he was also one of the people that organized uh the rit sports analyst conference that was held last weekend that was excellent i uh, really enjoyed my time there a lot of good speakers and ryan himself is very good at what he does so this conversation kind of went a little bit longer than I anticipated, which is a good thing because there's a lot of good content uh, you're going to hear here in the conversation coming up. Uh, we started off by kind of focusing on Ryan's kind of, um, I guess, specialty, if you will, of the passing data, the passing stats, uh, and more of an analytics discussion. Uh, we talked about that. We kind of talked about uh, his primary shot contributions. We talked about some transition stuff in regards to the Sabres. Uh, then we focused on the Sabres, and actually we kind of – got pretty deep into the Sabres and kind of had some analytics talk within that uh, kind of more than I anticipated here, and it was good. So I kept the conversation going, so it was a lot of good stuff, a lot of good insight. Uh, Ryan knows the market from being in it um, all of last year, and unfortunately after one year that was enough for him with the Sabres, so he's kind of moved on, but that's okay. We're going to miss him, but you know he's got some cool things, I think, I think coming up here in the future. So that's the conversation. Uh, it's a really, like I said, it's really good. I kind of enjoyed it. Um, it's a lot of good talk, good conversation back and forth. I hope you enjoy it as well. And since this conversation is a little bit longer than in the previous ones, we're going to kind of do what we did in the first one. Uh, we're going to kind of take a break right here to get that in uh, so you don't disrupt the flow of the interview. So we're going to get a quick 30-second break here, and then when we come back, uh, I'll be joined by Ryan Stimson and some really good talk in there, and I hope you enjoy it. And like I said, I have a few more analytics interviews left. I think I have three more. Uh, Sean Tierney, we kind of switched the date because I had something come up. So Sean's going to be still coming up here uh, in the next few days. And then I have one one of the Evolving Wild Twins, who I'm going to have on next week. And then I have one more at the end we're going to kind of wrap with here to put a bow in the whole series before the season starts. So without much further ado, here is Ryan Stimson after the break. All right, so I am joined now 
by a a guy who's been pretty busy over the last week. So I'm glad he's finally he's made some time for me here. Uh, and it's also kind of perfect timing after the analyst conference in Rochester to kind of go over some things here. Maybe talk about that a little bit. But I'm joined by Ryan Stimson, who writes for the Hockey Graphs and Coaches site. Uh, and many of you Sabres fans should remember Ryan from his athletic Buffalo days. But Ryan, what is going on, man? Uh, not too much. Just uh, unwinding, decompressing after a very, very busy, very long weekend. So now, you know, don't have to do any last minute scheduling or planning for a conference. Now it's just uh, trying to upload everything onto hockey graphs so everybody who wasn't there could take a look. Um, but it's been much more relaxing doing that than uh, you know, <laughs> the hosting the conference. So. Yeah, I, bet. I mean, my first, like I said, I think I told you when we were there, we were talking a little bit. My first time being there, and it really kind of, you know, I think it kind of lived up to what I was looking for. A lot of super smart people, a lot of awesome presentations. So it was kind of, we learned a lot. And really, I mean, that hour drive, like flew back after because really I kind of thought about all the presentations and everything in my head kind of spinning. So, I mean, for those people who didn't go, I really suggest you going next year or even like there's one in Columbus now. There's going to be, I don't know if you're doing the one in Seattle again, but it's like they're popping up all over the place. There's even one in Ottawa soon. I think they're going to be at two, right? So they're kind of popping up everywhere. Yeah, I think Ottawa's in like two months. It's like mid-November. Um, Columbus is early February, I want right. to say. Yep. Yeah, and I don't know about the West Coast, what they're planning for the spring, but I imagine as we get closer to the holidays, there'll be some clarity on what's going on. Very, very good. All right, so kind of the focus today, that's kind of your your specialty, I would say, kind of your thing, uh, is I want to kind of focus on some passing stuff <coughs> and uh, kind of you know talk about that kind of as an outlier, kind of the work you've done and kind of how that incorporates into the game itself, and then we'll kind of narrow the view down to the Sabres itself, but the one thing I told you about when we were scouting this podcast and topics, uh, something that I've recently looked into a lot is your primary shot contributions you did for hockey graphs a couple of years ago. Uh, in the last two weeks, I think I've literally read that article about four times. <laughs> so <laughs> so I'm, I'm, I use a lot of that basis and that thinking uh, to write an Eichel article recently about how, um, you know, he shouldn't, you know, he mentioned being a more of a goal scorer and how he shouldn't. And I, just my premise was, well, that's great if he wants to add more goals, but I don't think he should change the style which he plays because of his primary shot contribution, which he's really good at. Meshes well with a player like Skinner, who's kind of that around the net finisher. So I guess to kind of get back to the overall broad area, uh, do you mind kind of giving us a brief kind of overview from the guy, the master himself, kind of what that primary shot contribution, like a system you kind of put together, a model, if you will? Yeah, so, um, yeah, so what I did was, really just kind of look at, um, you know, players' individual shot attempts, right? Because uh, we get an idea of, you know, how involved they are through that. And, you know, assists really isn't a good proxy for, you know, playmaking ability or um, just kind of the usage or the volume, you know, that a player generates through their passing. Um, so, you know, years ago, you know, myself and several other people uh, just went through games and collected data on passing. Um, you know, basically just passes that lead to shots. I mean, this has been a, uh, in basketball in soccer, uh, I think soccer was like called key passes. Um, you know, right. basketball, it's just assists, right? So, um, you know, it's something other fluid sports have had and found value in and it just wasn't there for hockey. So, so we went and collected a bunch of data on it. Um, and then, you know, what I did is just a simple, you know, linear regression on uh, a player's, shot attempts and shot assists 
predicting, you know, their future scoring and, you know, not, not a huge surprise. It turned out that by tracking that volume over time, it would give you a stronger signal uh, for future point scoring rather than just looking at goals and assists. Um, and then, you know, over time, as we got more detailed data, we were able to, uh, you know, I was able to kind of just build a, you know, a similar model, just looking at uh, the weighting of each type of pass. And, you know, that kind of just refined and got a little closer, did a little better as far as predictive power. Um, and, but primary shot contributions is still just a, you know, on its own without any sort of weighting in terms of shot quality, uh, you know, does far better than, than points uh, as far as predicting player, future player scoring. And it also just gives you a, you know, descriptive idea of who's really driving the offense. Right, right. And I think that was kind of the, the kind of thing I was, you know, aiming for with the Eichel stuff. And I, I know even um, Marcus Johansson recently signed, he kind of grades out pretty good in, in those metrics too. So it's it, it's interesting. It's, it's kind of, you know, I know something else you've done too is you've kind of like established, in a way, like, like, like establishing the playmaker and the scorer and the finisher and kind of how that all goes into – compiling a roster or even a lineup or even a line itself and kind of finding all those pieces that go together where it's, I guess it's kind of that next in-depth look at things where you can just kind of grab players and put lines together. But if you think about what skill sets fit with the players or specific players, um, you know, having a player that's good, you know, in this passing sense, uh, I think can go a long way for team success. Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I a hundred percent agree. Uh, you know, it's, you know, these are NHL players, and obviously they, all of them are very skilled. And, you know, but at the same time, uh, you know, if you can kind of, you know, peel back a layer to their offensive production and find, oh, well, this player generates a lot through their shooting. This player does a lot through passing. You know, this player's entries are really good. So you can, then you can kind of start piecing your lines together from right. a you know complementary skill set perspective. And I, I think you have an opportunity there to, um, you know, kind of have a line, create more. Uh, then, then otherwise they might not, uh, you know, using those those kind of skill sets uh, in a combined effort. The other thing that's kind of interesting to me with all this is, uh, and I, and I got some of this from uh, reading your book too. Where this all kind of comes out is, I, I think it's you know I, I'm a big guy who you know I'm more the quality shot quality over shot quantity. Uh, that, that's kind of the drum I've been banging with the Sabers who kind of really haven't had great shot quality over the last couple of years. So, and it's funny, it's this, this passing ties into it because really using, you know, a team that passes the puck well and moves the puck well within the offensive zone, I don't think it's given enough appreciation by people, you know, who don't, I guess, we, I don't want to say understand, but kind of don't dive that deep into it where, you know, a simple pass is, can create from one zone to the next zone, can create an excellent scoring opportunity because it gets the defense moving, it gets the goaltender moving. So really it's, it's kind of more imperative, which is kind of what caught my attention is for a team like the Sabres who really have not been that good at, at passing the last few seasons, kind of how important it is kind of if they've improved on that with some of the players they've brought in, how that could help their um, quality of opportunities. Yeah, you mean like just in the offensive zone or you mean like in transition as well? Well, I mean, it's both. It's in the offensive zone. And then, I mean, we know how terrible they are getting the puck out of their own end. And I think some of the guys they brought in in transition and generating offense should help in both those areas if – they've brought in better puck movers than we believe they have. Yeah, I mean, for sure. I mean, that that's the hope, right? I mean, they brought in, you know, Montour for the end of last year. I mean, another year of Darlene, you know, hopefully more minutes for Darlene. Uh, Colin Miller, you know, the um, – I can never pronounce his name correctly, but Jokeru, I think. Jokiharu, yep. Jokiharu, there you go. <laughs> um, who, you know, in a limited sample, you know, had some of these good metrics. And I think, 
you know, it, it's uh, one of the things about them is, you know, if they can all improve the Sabres, you know, as a whole, breaking out of their zone with possession, helping to just create more entry opportunities, then what you're looking at is just like, you know, kind of like to steal a football analogy, like winning the field position battle, right? Because if you right. can get out of your zone uh, cleaner with possession more often, you're just creating more possessions going forward. And so with a team like the Sabres that, you know, have made some improvements in the roster this this summer, this offseason, you know, still have some work to do. You know, if you can start simply by, you know, creating more possessions, limiting possessions in your, your own zone, uh, well, then, you know, that's the first step towards, you know, becoming a competitive and respectable team. So I want to stick in the transition thing before I kind of – there's another player I want to ask you about too, and I'm pretty sure you know who it is in terms of defense. He's the Sabres Twitter Sabre player. But uh, one thing I, I do want to ask you since we're kind of on the topic of transition is Kevin from Twitter, I think you know who he is. He both interacts with him a lot. Um, sticking with the transition topic, he you know sent me a question to ask you. Uh, last year you wrote an article about a place where I could improve is his passing in transition. So he was curious after you're covering the Sabres and plus the data that you've seen, uh, do you think that was an area he improved his game last year? Uh, yeah, it was. And, you know, I think it, it definitely helped that, you know, because the narrative going into last season about Eichel was, you know, we'll get him some, get him a solid winger to play with on a full-time basis. Right. Right. And so it definitely helps. I mean, we, we all know, um, you know, that teammates definitely have a, uh, a huge impact, right, in a player's performance, overall performance. And so, uh, you know, when Eichel is carrying the puck in the zone, which he does very well, and he's able to, you know, find someone like Jeff Skinner, I think it not only is a good option for the Sabres in general, but also I think incentivizes Eichel to look for him more, right? If he has certain line mates that, you know, are less than desirable, you know, targets for them to shoot for for him to pass for them to shoot for, uh, then, you know, maybe the pre prior season, it was influencing decision-making, right? Because, I mean, there are certain moments where players, you know, can make conscious decisions. You're, yeah, you're kind of reading what the defender is doing in front of you. Um, but, but Eichel, when he comes over the, you know, over the blue line, you know, depending on what his next action is, knowing he has someone like Skinner with him, uh, you know, I think that's definitely helpful. Um, you know, first decision making to to kind of create those better chances rather than just kind of, you know, take it wide and shoot it, you know, from the wall or something, and then it just zips around. And you're coming back out the zone now. But yeah, I, that makes a lot of sense. I I, I completely agree. It's, it, you know, it, it's funny you look at those you know those micro stats you know of of the chart that's out there and, and those transition numbers he has that were super impressive. So I like along the same lines of Kevin, I was kind of curious of your of your overall thoughts if you think he's made that transition. So that that's. I'm glad to hear that you have, because I mean, looking at me, looking at it, I would say yes. I was, but I really was when Kevin brought that up. I was kind of curious what your reply was on that. Yeah, yeah, I think it was overall, and even if you look at, um, uh, I know uh, Micah McCurdy released like his latest, you know, isolated impact charts, and you see Eichel's from last year just you know explode and all sorts of goodness. So yeah. um, you know that that you know, but that like you know that piece to his game that improves. Um, you know, it's, it, it does have results, right? Because if you're making better decisions at the blue line, uh, you know, offensively, it generates better chances going forward, but also reduces the amount of times you're losing possession, right? So that in turn helps your defensive numbers as well. So that's one small piece of that, but you can see, you know, part of the overall impact there for sure. So one guy, I guess I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to stick to the forwards here because the, 
there's a particular player that's in my head has kind of been a lot of a hot topic on Twitter today. So, you know, I mean, you were on the Sabres a lot last year, covered them a lot. I'm kind of curious where you're at uh, with Casey Middlesex. I kind of get your opinion on that. I mean, it's he's another one of those players while sticking to this transition theme that I, I think, you know, he's shown the ability to do it. And I think he has that skill in his game. And I think when he did do it, he did it well. Maybe he didn't do it enough, but I also kind of think maybe that gets into putting better linemates around him for him to distribute the puck to and not to give it to Kyle Loposo where the offense might go to die in his stick. So I'm kind of curious of where you're, what you're looking for maybe for Middlestat this year and kind of where you're at, are at it with him. Yeah, I mean, Middlestat was kind of just – he was never going to satisfy, you know, based on all the hype last well, year. Yeah. Uh, you know, in the circumstances with Ryan O'Reilly being traded away and all of a sudden we're thrusting this, this uh, you know, young, young player – who two years ago prior to last season was playing high school hockey mm-hmm. um, into a second line center role in the NHL. Like it just never was going to work out. Um, you know, that being said, you know, he did have certain, it wasn't like a complete uh, disaster for him in, in certain ways. I mean, obviously it wasn't good. Um, but I think, you know, taking a step back from, uh, you know, the immediacy of, you know, when the last season finished and, you know, of course, Sabres Twitter is all, you know, miserable and everything. Um, <laughs> you know, I, I think you have, uh, I, I can't, I'm trying to think of when his birthday was. Is he 21 now or is he still 20? Uh, I think he's still 20, I want to say. Okay. So, I mean, you have a 20-year-old player who, you know, again, didn't have a whole lot of help with teammates, which we know can impact, uh, was thrust into a position he wasn't ready for. And, you know, he may not ever be truly ready for that role, I right. think he was he was overdrafted. I think he had a lot of hype going into it. And, you know, if he can be a solid, uh, you know, middle six forward, but maybe on a, on a good contending team, he's probably a third-line center. And, uh, you know, he hasn't really given much to, uh, you know, show that he'll be more than that. But, again, it comes back to a really tough situation as a rookie. He still didn't acquit himself completely, but I think that there were signs that, yeah, he does have some skill, and you know we'll we'll see what happens this season with whoever his line mates might be. I mean, obviously, better coaching would be a huge impact right. for him, yeah, um, just in terms of lineup optimization. But you know, it's okay to be cautious and, and nervous about what he might be. But I also think that last year you do have to take some things with a grain of salt. Right. Yeah. It's yeah. So he's still twenty. He turned twenty-one in November. Okay. But, there you go. Um, you know, I I think that's why. You know, I'm not sure. And again, like you said, I mean, the, the hype machine behind him was kind of crazy, right? So it's, I'm not sure if he's ever going to be that huge play driving center that they maybe envision behind Eichel. So that, I mean, at least for the next few years, you know, I, I think maybe that's the importance of a player like Reinhardt, where you attach that to him, kind of let Reinhardt be that line driver and then yeah. let him be the anchor that props up middle stat uh, for at least the next few years until maybe he can get his feet under him and then kind of can be that driver, or maybe he just never be, never becomes that player, but still you kind of have Reinhardt there to kind of prop him up instead of putting the three headed monster, I guess, all in one line. Yeah. I mean, if you put a second line, you roll out a second line of, you know, and I haven't thought too much about the Sabres lines recently, but I mean, you know, Johansson, Reinhardt and Middlestadt together. I mean, mm-hmm. I mean, who was he playing with last year? Uh, Saboka and Shiri. And... I think it was Oposo, Shiri and Thompson were his top three linemates. There, there you go. So, I mean, you know, if you have that kind of upgrade in teammates, well, then you look at his results throughout the course of the year. And if he's still not, if he's still really, you know, dragging things down and doesn't have the great progression outputs, uh, then I think it's definitely, all right, can we see if we can move him? You know, maybe he still has some some of that, you know, high draft pedigree and, you know, 
potential around the league. And then, uh, you know, because that's an inefficiency excuse me, teams can exploit, right? If finding yeah. out their prospects aren't as good as people think they might be, that's when you can move them, uh, you know, with like what should have been done with Bristol Island like four years ago. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think putting them in a position to succeed this year with like that kind of line mate and knowing that the defense group behind them is going to be back, uh, that's the best way to find out what you have. So I guess a perfect transition because Bristol Island was kind of where I was going to go next year to kind of wrap up uh, the Sabre stuff here in a way. It's it, it's odd, Ryan. I mean, they, they brought in Montour. They brought in Colin Miller. They traded for Yoki Harups. They made all these upgrades to these puck-moving right shot defensemen. And yet two weeks from opening night pretty much, here remains Rasmus Bristol Island. So I don't know. I mean, they had him in practice with Rasmus Dahlin today, so that's like making me – being a cold sweat over here. I know it's only preseason, but it's just, I, I just, I have that nervous thing that they're, I mean, if he's going to be here, they have to reduce his minutes. They have to shelter him, protect him, get him with a puck mover of some kind, or at least somebody until pilot is back in mid October. Cause pilot for some reason has the magical key for wrist aligning, but it's, I, I don't know. It, it's crazy that they've, they've done these upgrades in areas that wrist line doesn't excel at. And yet he's still here and is probably going to play, especially the Montour injury now. I find it hard to believe he's going to be moved here in the next two weeks. Um, it's just, I don't know. It's just crazy. me those upgrades on the right side and yet here he is. And I, I don't know, I guess it's kind of hope and pray because I, I don't think you're going to see, I just for a player who's 24 years old. And this kind of gets back to, you know, I hear Mike in my head saying the peak is 24 years old. I mean, it, it's, I can't see this player building value when his minutes could go down. His power play minutes could be took, taken away from him by Darlene where he picked up a lot of his points. So if you're going to see a reduction in, Point totals, like it's just, it just, it just seems like bad news. If they're hoping for some type of value increase here, I'm not sure they're going to get that either. No, I mean, you know, he, he shouldn't be on the roster, and it's just as simple as that. And I think, uh, I think the general Sabres fan kind of started to realize that last year. Um, that you know there are lots of mistakes he makes, and he's certainly not what was advertised, certainly what was talked up, and the fact that he has stayed on the Sabres roster this entire summer uh, and into September now is, you know, it's either, it's either two things, right? It's either one, the rest of the league is caught up with kind of the consensus on the line and um, mm-hmm. what the, you know, analysts have been saying for a couple of years now on him. And it's, uh, or it's that the Sabres think he can be rehabilitated, right? I mean, the, um, you know, the, one of the biggest downfalls is, coaches believing that they can turn around a player right that he's been misused or miscast and i'm going to put him in a position to succeed and certainly that's true in some cases um but you know it's generally the exception not the rule like a lot of people point to you know was it justin schultz who goes from the oilers to the penguins and all of a sudden people think he's like oh he's perfect now he's good he's good they fixed him it's like well you know his skill is about the same and certainly being in pittsburgh system had something to do with it um and there's, you know, there's hope for Ristolainen in a limited role, but the issue then is you don't pay those guys five and a half million dollars. Yes, exactly, exactly. And because then it just becomes a cost-benefit analysis of, well, we're paying this guy, well, we can probably pay, you know, someone a million dollars, and then that's an extra four and a half million dollars we could use to upgrade somewhere else on the roster. So we're losing out on that because we couldn't properly analyze and evaluate this player. So I mean. Like, I get it right now. Yeah, Pilot's out. Montour is going to be out. Um, sure. If they're going to keep him now, like, I get why they would do it now. But 
if he's on this team past Thanksgiving, then I just think you kind of have to um, seriously question. If, well, I mean, people have been seriously questioning the Sabres front office for a while now, but <laughs> but I, I think at this point you just have to be like, you know, do you even know what you're doing? Because you demonstrate. I mean, teams say whatever they want. I mean, you should never listen to what teams say, but and I know you know that it's just it's in what they do. And the exactly. fact is they have kept him on the roster all this time. And it just comes down to, do you know what you're doing? And when it comes to evaluating defensemen, and Sabres aren't alone in this, uh, it might be that they don't. Um, you know, Colin Miller definitely had some good numbers in some, you know, third-line minutes. And it's not always a guarantee. Players that see more minutes can maintain that level of performance. But I think certainly if you're looking at him as a second-pairing guy, sure, I'd roll with that. Um, you know, whoever you put with Darlene is probably going to look pretty good. Right. Um, and if Pilot's for real like he was last year, I think whoever you put with Pilot's going to look pretty good. So, yeah, it's, there's no excuse for Ursuline to be on this roster. Yeah, and that's, I mean, you mentioned Pilot, and that's the thing I think a lot of people, including myself, right? I think they might have dodged a bullet with Yoki Haru, who I think should be in the lineup, and I think he's going to have to be now with Montour out, but that was one of the biggest fears. Look, I mean, Scandella is still here too. It was another guy. Like they, right, they, yeah. they, they literally got rid of nobody, Ryan. I mean, right? right. I mean, it's crazy. So, and the other thing is, like, you just you get better by taking those guys out of the lineup. Exactly. Um, exactly. So, you know, the salary they're paying. Well, I think probably combined. I mean, Scandella makes what, like four? It's four. So it's nine and nine point four between the two of them. Yeah. So nine point four million dollars. I mean, geez. I mean, that could buy you. Well, it can't quite buy you one Mitch Marner, but it could buy you one <laughs> really good player instead. Right. Um. So. You know, I mean, you look at the Sabres uh, defense grouping. I mean, you have what? I mean, if everyone's healthy, it's probably what? Dowling, Montour, Miller, Pilot. There's your top four. Yokoharu is your fifth on the right side. And then, McCabe. you know, and then who? McCabe? Yeah. Yeah. And then McCabe is your sixth. I mean, Ristolainen isn't, you know, this, he's maybe the seventh defenseman. Maybe. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, if everybody's healthy, he doesn't have a spot in this lineup. And so, you know, I know everyone's pointing at Winnipeg. I mean, maybe, but if you if you flip them for line A, you're just compounding. You're making that same mistake again, right? Yeah. Um, because again, line A looks the part, right? He scores lots of goals. Yep. Um, but he doesn't really do anything else. And you know, I I would I would be fully on board with the Sabres front office brain trust if they somehow can turn Ristolainen into Ehlers from Winnipeg. Yeah, right? that would be that'd be excellent. Yeah, I mean, because if you do that, it's like all right, maybe you guys have figured things out. Um, but yeah. Yeah, I mean the thing you kind of have to get to now is is really you have to you have to hope from a slow start from Winnipeg or a team like Anaheim where they get desperate, you know. And uh, obviously, we know Anaheim's looking for a right shot defenseman. They try to get Falk, and apparently that didn't work out. So, right, I don't know if, if Andre Kasha is is for some reason available, especially in that type of trade. Then I think you you can go after that too. But Ehlers makes a lot of sense. But the problem is you get into the season now, and unless there's some sort of really bad start. A lot of teams aren't anxious to pluck off one of those, you know, key, I don't know, keep a big name players off the roster in November. Sure. Yeah. I mean, that, that, that's a good point. Yeah. I mean, I forgot about the Anaheim one because Falk nixed that deal. And right. Um, so, you know, would they be in risk lining? Because I don't think he has a new, no trade or no move, right? He doesn't. Nope. He doesn't nope. Yeah. So, so there you go. I mean, that's, you know, that should be a slam dunk. But again, I mean, these, these things are obvious to a lot of people outside the game and, um, some people inside the game for sure, um, you know, or these are obvious too, but, uh, but, you know, you just, you just question what the decisions, uh, the, what goes into the Sabres decision-making process, right? I mean, they're one of the teams that from an analytic standpoint, not many people know about, you just, you know, Jason Nightingale's there, but mm-hmm. nobody really knows him um, in the analytics community. 
Um, and you look at their track record, and it's like, what are they doing? You know, what do they use for a decision-making process? And yeah, because it, it's certainly not evidence. Right. And it's odd to me because this coach they brought in, you know, coming from Premier League and coming from Southampton, who was kind of big into those numbers things. I'm I'm honestly surprised we haven't heard any, any, at least that's made it to the public, which I, I but I think they would promote that if they've done it, any type of improver additions to their analytics department, which is, I, I think, interesting for a guy who came in and talked about that being kind of something he wanted to utilize. So it's, I don't know, that's always, and then, you know, and on top of it, you have the, player tracking data that's coming. I mean, you're, <laughs> you don't want to be the team that that's behind on this. It looks like that's kind of where they're trending towards right now. For sure. Yeah. I mean, they, you know, who knows? I mean, they could have, you know, a whole army of people that work, you know, under Nightingale that just no one knows about. Um, but until you start seeing results on the ice and start seeing decision-making, um, you know, that kind of reflects uh, that kind of uh, stance using evidence-based decisions. Um and the performance starts to increase, well, then, yeah, there's every reason to doubt what their process is for sure. And it's interesting, the Southampton thing is, I mean, because they were notable for, you know, finding these, uh, you know, these underrated talents and then just flipping them for an absurd profit. Right. Uh, yeah. You know, like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a Liverpool supporter, and we basically just, you know, kept buying Southampton players every couple of <laughs> years for a while because we had trouble finding them elsewhere. And it's like, man, we've probably – donated like you know 200 million pounds or 40 million british pounds uh over to southampton over the last three or four years so um yeah it's i mean if they could adopt anything close to that then yeah watch out the sabers could be for real so yeah it's i just gotta tell you ryan it's the last thing if if pilot and yoki hire are playing top pair minutes in november in rochester i'm, I'm gonna be really angry online i'm done right now I'm, I'm gonna freak out yeah i think at that point you're just best logging off <laughs> um, you know because you can basically write the same article every day after that yeah exactly. Um, you know because yeah. that well yeah they'll keep them down there and they'll get to claim development because uh, claim development good. and claim yeah. they have too many bodies and they can just put them through waivers and you know yeah god god bless you for for keeping at as much as you do it's impressive you know i'm <laughs> on this team all the time but uh, it was enough for me after one year um but uh i mean the, all the pieces are in place for them to be interesting to be fun to even be competitive and Last year, you know, Housley quickly became uh, who everyone pointed their fingers at. This year, if things continue, it's definitely going to be Bottrell that everyone's calling yeah. for. Because once you you fire a coach, and that starts the clock on you. And, exactly. you know, even if Kruger's doing all sorts of, you know, if he's pulling the same stuff, you know, I, I think people will get upset at that. But, like, then it becomes with Bottrell, you can't, like, evaluate a coach in an interview process yeah. to find you know to get yeah. someone in here to optimize everything so um i mean so let I me mean, obviously they're probably not going to have the same november as last year no um, i think not but um and even if <laughs> the funny thing is buffalo fans right even if they did buffalo fans would just be like great we've seen this before now we can't wait to lose again <laughs> after we're right um yeah. it'll be so buffalo but uh so where do you think they are you they are by thanksgiving um i i don't it's hard, you know, it's, uh, I mean, again, it's the thing is that they've, they've moved nobody, right? It's, it is right. the same exact team with Dalene a year older. I know they've added a couple defensemen and yeah, that's going to help the transition game and will help a few areas and make them a quicker team. And hopefully it helps them get the puck up. But I mean, they, they've really, I mean, they, they failed to address that top six winger. I think that they badly need. And 
you know, in wrist line and so here, Scandella is going to be here still. So it, it's, it's, that's negatives. You, you brought in Jimmy VC who's not that good. So really if he gives you the production that you got from Pominville last year, but he's worse defensively again, that's going to be a negative. So it's, I mean, they, they've made some moves. VC still a head scratcher that I think they're going to, I mean, I, I wrote an article about it continued upon the table. I think they're willingly with what they still have, they're willingly going to ice a worse defensive group than they've, that they could. And that, that gets back to Pilot and Yokiharu being in the minors potentially. So it's, yeah. I, I don't know, it, it's crazy. And I, I think at best, I think best case scenario right now, they're like an 82-point team. And a lot of these projections like that, Dom is on other people that haven't projected that low. I don't think it's wrong at all. They just right. didn't really get any quote-unquote needle movers. They got some good guys, some okay guys. Johansson's okay, Miller's okay. Uh, Yokiharu can be something, but I don't know if he's going to be a giant impact player this year. And then beyond that, I don't know. Hope Dalin continues to go crazy, but even is that going to be enough? Does Eichel have to be a hundred and ten point player to drag them somewhere? Like it's you know, there's just there's still a whole bunch of holes and question marks. And I mean, I'll get Bottle credit. He made some decent moves in the summer. Just I don't think he pushed it over the finish line, and that I think in a way directly ties to wrist line and still being here. Yeah, it, it's interesting because they because if you ask like at the beginning of the season, it'd be like, oh, well, they're just going to play Dalene like 28 minutes a night, right? They're going to give him the old Risto treatment, right. only there'll be good results. And, but then they acquire all these defensemen. It's like, well, maybe they really just kind of want to have three balanced pairs. And like, I, I get that. And that's certainly good over the long, over the long haul, right? You want to manage players' minutes and everything. Yeah. But still, there's going to be games where you want to amp up Dalene's minutes. And it's going to come at, you know, if you built your defense core deep and, and effectively, that's going to come at the expense of somebody else. So, it's, I don't know. It's, it's interesting to see what Kruger does with the, the the ice time, you know, that he has at his disposal for, for all those guys. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see when you get closer to kind of how the lines shake out here. I mean, he hasn't had Skinner play with Eichel at all um, so far, at least. He's had, he's had VC and Sherry there, and then that didn't. I mean, it was okay against Pittsburgh, but I mean, they played a minor league team and they outshot them like 57, like 13 or something like that. Something silly. That sounds like a disaster though. <laughs> and they still only won five to four in overtime because they collapsed in the third period, but <laughs> six Sabres. But, um, you know, it's, and then, and then today, like Reinhardt's back up there and like, oh God, don't give me Skinner Reinhardt Michael again. Like, so I don't know. I mean, it's only preseason, but I, I'm really curious kind of as we get closer and as they make some more cuts here, um, you know what they do. I mean, poor Casey Middlestat. They had him with like CJ Smith and Kyle Oposo, Tate Thompson's with Saboka and Remy Yelly. So I, I don't know. We'll see. I, I understand he's a new coach that's trying new things. I'm not going to freak out yet, but I'm curious kind of how it's going to play out once we get closer to the season. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it'll be interesting. I know Buffalo fans are always ready with the pitchfork. So we'll see, <laughs> we'll see how far they get. This yeah. Year. Well, you're, you're a Devils fan, right? So I mean, you got a PK Subban to kind of watch this year. So. Uh, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how he goes. He, uh, you know, he he had a pretty terrible year last year, so uh, we'll see. We'll see what happens with that. But uh, but I have hopes. You're nervous about Taylor Hall at all? Well, yeah. I mean, until he signs, um, you know, if they come out looking flat and can't can't make the playoffs again this year, then I I mean, if you're Taylor Hall, why on earth would you stay? Why on earth would you sign? Right. Um. So you know, it's just going to be a question how they manage that if if they're six points out of a playoff spot, you know, a week before the trade deadline, you have to maximize that from an asset standpoint um, and move him and get some other stuff. Because the reality is, I mean, they're still a little ways away. I mean, 
you've got two excellent pieces for the future. And I know we're talking about the Devils now, and nobody really cares about the Sabres. But that's yeah, okay. Um, <laughs> you know, it's just it's just proper asset management, and so. Right. Um, you know, the Sabres are going to have a big question uh, to deal with Reinhardt coming up here soon. And That's, um, an ugly, that's going to be an ugly Twitter scene with Reinhardt. I'm telling you that right now next summer. Yeah, because, uh, what, this this was year two of the bridge, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah so so he's coming up in year two. And, you know, uh, if he has – like, here's the other thing, too. Like, if he if he plays a lot with Eichel and Skinner again, then, you know, going into arbitration, you know, his point totals, which matter a lot in arbitration, are going to be sky high again. Mm-hmm. And but also, if he goes on a line again without them and still does really well, well, now he's almost going to demand even more. I think <laughs> right, right. with the market that RFA's are, you know, it's it's it's, it's changing landscape for a lot of these young players. And so I'm sure he's he's watching, paying attention quite quite closely with a lot of these deals going on. But they need to lock him up sooner rather than later. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, it was. I mean, one of the think, criticisms. I mean, I don't want to keep it too much longer against Bottle here is, you know, the the not cashing in on the opportunity to, you know, get those value contracts. Like again, Reinhardt was yep. one they missed on. Rodriguez was like one they could have had this summer. Again, they they missed on that. Um, and I mean, they have Montour, Reinhardt, Rodriguez, Middlestat. Uh, I think Pilot too, all up into the season. I don't know, Pilot's one more year. Um, all up into this season. And then the year after that, you have Darlene, Yoki Haru and pilot. So like, there's just a lot of work to be done with your own, your own assets. And I don't know, not really being invested in, in a lot of these players long-term, I guess is a good thing in one way, but in the other sense, you kind of, you kind of don't have a lot of team friendly deals kind of in your pocket. Yeah. Not everybody can be Carolina. But. Right. Don't remember. Cause I'm super jealous with Carolina. That defense group in Carolina is going to be stupid. And, I'm super jealous. As, as long as Gardner can stay healthy, that's going to be maybe one of the best blue lines in the league. Right. Yeah, for sure. Those smart people in Carolina. What are you going to do? Mm-hmm. <laughs> All right. So that is Ryan Stimson, like I said, who uh, writes for Hockey Graphs and coaches site now. Um, you know, spent a lot of, you know, Buffalo wore on him after one year. So that's unfortunate. But <laughs> 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 San Ray's coming from. So Ryan here, kind of like I always do when we talk, I'll kind of give you a little bit of mic time here. Uh, talk about where people can find you and also to plug your awesome book, which I'm almost done with, uh, but I'll give you some time to kind of plug that. Oh, I appreciate that. Yeah. So um, you guys can find me on Twitter, uh, RK underscore Stimp, uh, S-T-I-M-P. Um, yeah. Write a little bit at the coach's site on, you know, using data to, you know, make better coaching decisions, strategic decisions, lineup decisions. Uh, really haven't written for hockey graphs in a while, ever since I started writing at the athletic last year on the coach's site, but uh uh, may do some work there occasionally. Who knows? Um, uh, I wrote a book, Tape to Space, Redefining Modern Hockey Tactics on Amazon. Thank you, Chad, for, for buying a copy and reading it. Um, and for the nice things you said about it. It means a lot. Um, it's basically a book about taking data and you know using all the insights the analytics community has made over the years and trying to build a way, an optimal way to play hockey um, with data as its foundation. Um, rather than a lot of the archaic, you know, maxims that are handed down from hockey generation to hockey generation. Um, so I think it's pretty good. Uh, other other folks have said nice things about it. So, you know, I've never heard anything bad about it. So so uh, those, I'm, sure those, I'm sure those people are out there, but uh, but I haven't met them yet. So I don't think there's many. Yeah, I think that's uh, I think that's it. And, you know, in my absence, uh, obviously, you know, if you, if you if you like my work at The Athletic, I really appreciate it. 
Um, just really, you know, didn't have the time to keep doing it this year, but, but have no fear. I'm sure Chad will pick up the slack and, uh, do a great job for you. So. Well, thank you. I appreciate that, Ryan. And we'll definitely miss you. Um, the insights, but, uh, don't feel, don't feel afraid to kind of peek out on us from time to time. I'm sure you follow a lot of the Sabres fans anyway, so you'll kind of get a feel of what we got going on here. Oh, I do. And, and it's an exciting group. I mean, you know, you have Darlene, you know, right. Reinhardt Eichel, obviously, uh, Skinner, um, you know, and, and how they revamped the defense. And, you know, it's a, it's an interesting team to watch because you feel like they have so many pieces in place to be very good very soon. And it's just a question of, is the team going to screw it up? And um, that's always a fascinating, um, you know, a situation to follow, right? It's like, okay, we're not going to tank. You know, we have good players. How can we be competitive? And um, how can we do it in a way that doesn't hamstring the salary cap with bloated contracts and all that, like you were talking about? Um, so, so they're, they're at a very interesting uh, point. It's a big season for Bottrell, probably is certainly as biggest yet, and Kruger's fascinating. And, uh, yeah, so it's, it's exciting. I'll definitely peek in and follow from time to time. Very good, very good. All right, man, well, I appreciate you taking the time out of your busy schedule to chat with me and get back into the Sabres world again for a little bit. Um, looking forward to kind of what you have coming and I think I'm going to make it to Ottawa, but if you're going to Columbus, I think that's kind of on my areas to make. So I'll definitely see you there for sure. Yeah. I, I mean, you know, Columbus in February, who can say no? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. All right, man. I appreciate it. I'll, I'll talk to you soon. All right. Later, Jeff.